Hey, good morning, Victory Church. How you doing? Come on, let me hear you. As Mark and Zoe said, there's so much happening, y'all, over these next couple of weeks. Next Sunday, of course, the kids will be in here singing a couple songs. On the 17th, not only are we wrapping presents that afternoon at the YMCA, but on that day, we will also have our last child dedication of the year. And so if you've got a baby or a child that you would like to dedicate to the Lord, you can register for that on our website. Uh, on the 17th, we'll do that after the second service. And so we want to encourage you to jump on there and do that. And of course, as Zoe said, on the 24th is our Christmas Eve, and we will be trying out for the very first time, three services. Everybody say, yeah. Uh, if you've been around for the past couple weeks, you've seen that we're, we're getting to a place where we're maxing out too. And so we're praying through what God's going to do, whether that's a third service, whether that's this building behind us, uh, whatever it might be. And a lot of that's going to play into our prayer and fasting into the new year. And so I'll be telling more about that. But one of the things that we'll do all the month of December that we're used to doing, if you're a part of Victory, is our end of the year giving. So when you leave today, you'll be handed a card that looks like this. And here's what we ask everybody to do in our church at the end of the year we ask you to reflect back on these past 12 months, look at all that God's done, and then pray, and this is really important, that you pray and ask God if he would have you give an end-of-the-year offering as a thank you, as a worship to him. Uh, we do say this very honestly. If you pray and God says, don't give anything, don't give anything. We, we have no desire for you to give at, at an angry heart. It's all about giving with a cheerful heart and out of praise and worship to what God's done over the past uh, 12 months. And so we encourage you that it could be of any amount. And what we do when all that money's in by the end of the year, we take that money and it helps move forward the vision. That's why we call it Purpose Prevails in the next year. So that might have uh, something to do. Maybe we're going to bring that in here for new lighting, new cameras and things online. Might have to do with moving and renovating the building next door if that's God's plan for us. Uh, it has a lot to do with some of the outreach stuff and events that we do. And it's, we've already planned out 24. It's going to be a great, great year. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, another thing that you'll see that we started a couple years ago, and it's been very successful, is if, if you're a tither in our church, we really encourage you to pray about Purpose Prevails. If you've never tithed and you've never trusted God with your finances in that way, we really encourage you to start that. There's, there's so much principles in that. I preached on it a few weeks ago. Uh, and we do something called God's Guarantee. And what that is, is it's a concept where uh, we kind of follow through you with records. And we say that in 90 days, if, if you'll trust God in tithing through 90 days, if after those 90 days, God is not provided for you. We don't say if he hasn't blessed you and given you an extra house and an extra car, but if he has not provided for you after those 90 days, we will give all of that money back to you. And it's just something we started to kind of help people take that step of faith because the Bible does say to test God in uh, the concept of tithing. And so it's something that we do. And, and since we've been doing it, we've never once had somebody come back and ask for their money. And that just proves to me the faithfulness of God. And so all that information is on this card. I'll talk more about it as the weeks go. But as you leave, they'll give you one of these cards and you can do your best. Pray about that. And we want you to be involved in that at the end of the year. Amen. All right, if you got your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew, first book in the New Testament, chapter 1. I'm going to start reading at verse 18. We are in our Christmas series. Um, as I said, we have about three or four weeks, three weeks leading up, and then our Christmas Eve service, which will have special music and communion and candle lights. It's going to be just a fantastic day to kick off your holidays. And then a reminder, we do not have service on December 31st. We'll talk more about that as the months go, but we always take kind of a Sunday Sabbath on that Sunday and let everybody rest, and we come back hitting hard, ready to our first Sunday in January. So Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, start reading, and then we'll get into the Word. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. 
be an awkward situation, right? Could you imagine that'd be an interesting conversation you'd have to have with your wife? It's God's. Mm, I don't know if it is. But because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind, he thought about it, I'll just divorce her quietly, no reason to bring her shame. But after he thought about it, after he really considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, and the angel said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is, in fact, from the Holy Spirit. She's telling you the truth, no matter how weird it sounds, she's right. And all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet in a prophecy in the Old Testament. And here's what that prophecy said, that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him, everybody say, Emmanuel, which according to the Bible means God with us. Father, I just want to take a second. I want to pray. I want to ask that your spirit would be so strong, as strong as it was in the first service over this idea and this concept that you are with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The title of the sermon today is The Awe of Christmas. You know, I thought about, I, I was going back and forth with a couple of titles, and, and that one title I was going to go with was I was going to call it Feeling Christmassy. Any of y'all ever feel, feel Christmassy? You know what I mean? It's like, oh, it's Christmas. Yeah, it's, it's just, there's something about the holiday of Christmas. Look, every holiday is great. Every holiday has its benefits and its pluses and all these different things, but there's just something different about Christmas. Christmas is the only holiday where you would be in your house, in the heat, feeling warm, under a blanket, and then all of a sudden gather all of your kids, pile into your car, and then drive around and look at other people's houses, right? It's, it's, a, it's a really unique holiday. It, Darla always talks about this. It's whenever she goes to Hobby Lobby or Target or Lowe's or whatever it might be, and she walks in and for the very first time, they have all their Christmas decorations up. You know what I mean? The Christmas trees are out and all the inflatables are out. She just, she just, she'll come home and she'll be like, the, the, the Christmas stuff's out. You know what I mean? Like she's so excited about it. And I can't quite understand why. And I don't know about why we feel this way, but when this season comes around, whether it's decorating our houses or gathering for Christmas presents or hot cocoa or all the Christmas movies like The Grinch and Home Alone and, of course, Die Hard, you know, all these, you just kind of <laughs> find all these, it's just, it's just something about the season. It just, there's just, a, there's, a, there's a magic to it. There's an awe to it, even though we may not actually know why. And I think we were all created with an all capacity. I think it's why when we are, if you've ever been to a beach or you know, an ocean and you're, you're looking out at the ocean waters that have no end, you know, it looks like they just fall right off planet Earth and, and you're taking all of that in and there's just this moment of just, wow. Or when you're looking at you know, um, um, mountains or, or some type of, you know, you're in the woods and you're, you're some kind of outside moment. Or for some of us, maybe it's when you were there for the, you know, the, the birth of a baby. Like there's just all of these moments in life where we kind of find ourselves in awe. It's like we have this capacity and you need to understand something that every, that, that, that desire in us for all was always meant to point us back to our creator. When you're standing and looking at an ocean and you feel that, it was to remind you of the creator of that ocean. It was to remind you that he has more thoughts about you, good thoughts about you, than there are pebbles of sand on that 
beach, when, when a baby is born, that's to remind you about the fact that the breath of God is now in that baby and that life is happening right in front of you. When you see, when you're in the woods, or you're looking at mountains, it's to be reminded about God's ability to paint and just put beauty. It's always to, to point us back to the creator. And whether we are believers or not, Christmas tends to stir up that same awe, even if we aren't sure why. I, I, I don't know why. I don't, I don't know why an inflatable Grinch right, or, or a seven-foot Santa Claus all of a sudden makes us feel some way. But even when you go through the entire Christmas story, if you go with Mary, when Mary is interacting with the angel and she's finding out that she, in fact, is going to give birth to the Savior of the world, there's a moment of fear and excitement and there's awe. If you see when the angel is talking to Joseph and they're processing the fact that she thought he thought she was unfaithful in considering this, but now he's finding out that he's, in fact, going to be the stepdad to Jesus. Um, there's like this awe capacity in him when you look at the shepherds and the fact that they're in... Uh, in, in, you know, they're, in the, they're with the flock, watching over the flock, and all of a sudden this angel lands and starts telling them about this baby's going to be born in Bethlehem, and all of a sudden this choir appear, appears out of the middle of nowhere and starts to praise God. If you just follow the Christmas story, I didn't mention this in the first service, but even if you go all the way back to when Mary's uh, pregnant with Jesus, she walks into the room with her sister who's pregnant with John the Baptist, and the Bible says John the Baptist kicks. He jumps up and starts to praise because the story of Jesus and the Christmas story, no matter how you follow it, goes right to the concept of all. But the real magic of Christmas is not in gifts or goodies. It's not in family traditions or new toys. What lies at the very heart of Christmas, listen to me, is both the most stunning and the most significant fact in the history of the world, that God himself became one of us. When you follow Mary's experience and Joseph's experience and the shepherds and the magi and John the Baptist in his mother's womb, all of those are linked back to the idea, this magical thought, this incredible concept that God is with us. That God the creator, God of the universe, the one who spoke the stars into the existence, who breathed and out we came, God is with us us. God, the creator, this, this magic. Here's why you feel Christmassy. You don't feel Christmassy because Kevin McAllister is lost in New York. You don't feel Christmassy because there's an eight foot inch, you know, eight foot Grinch inflatable in your front yard. You feel Christmassy because it's connected back to the idea that God is with us. Let's go back to Matthew chapter one, verse 23. That is referring back to a prophecy in the Old Testament that is now being fulfilled to the birth of Jesus. And it says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. Say it, Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is the Advent season. Advent season is those weeks leading up to Christmas Day in which we will celebrate the coming of Christ. And they say that Advent normally has four themes, hope, peace, love, joy. And this is the hope. The hope for us is that God is with us. Now, if we're not careful, we'll miss the all in this because we think God has always been with us, right? I mean, if, if you have any 
Christian background, if you were raised in church, or let's be honest, if you live in the South, right, you kind of heard, you, you, you've heard the concept, or at least are familiar with the idea of God's always with us, right? You've had a grandma who tell you, God saw that, you know what I mean? Like, there, there's just moments where it goes back to the fact that God is omnipresent, which means he's everywhere all the time, which means God is here with us at Victory Church today, and he's with the other church and the other church and somebody who's having Bible study in their home and somebody who's here and somebody who's there. God can be with us and with others. He can be everywhere all the time. This is why King David said when he wrote in the Psalm, he said, no matter where I go, I can't get away from your presence. He said, if I go high in the heavens, you're there. If I go low in the depths, you are there. He says, you are everywhere. You are in my joy and you are in my sadness. You are in my peace and you're in my anxiety. You're in my good. You're in my bad. You're here yesterday. You're here today. You'll be here forever. God is with us. He's with us. But y'all, this was different. This verse and this moment, it, it, it just hits different. Emmanuel meant that God would now be present with his people. That God would feel what we feel. That God would experience what you and I experience. With him coming to earth as a baby being assigned the name and the identity Emmanuel, what God is doing is he's saying, I'm a God that's present, I'm a God that's personable, and I'm a God that's knowable. Now, when you hear some of those statements, sometimes it reads like a statement from a King James Version Bible, and we can just kind of move forward and not really take into mind, not really be able to apply that concept to our life. So I was thinking about us, and I was like, how could we better understand it? And all of a sudden, it hit me. God, pre-Bethlehem, is like your Facebook friends. <laughs> Let me explain. I have like 1,700-plus Facebook friends, all right? I'm not bragging, all right? I know nobody's impressed. Uh, Facebook was 20 years ago. I get it, okay? So it's free to become somebody's friend. It's not like I'm popular or anything. 1,700, though. But I'm just saying... <laughs> But, but here's the crazy part. Out of these 1,700, there's many of them that are on it that I've actually never met before. I've never even been in the same room with before. They just know somebody who knows somebody and Facebook, you know, suggests a friend and they like it and I accept it like a weirdo. And now all of a sudden they're, they're my friend. And watch this. The only relationship I have with this person is I occasionally see what they're doing. I'm occasionally seeing what they're eating or, you know, where they're taking their kids for the birthday or, you know, what their Christmas celebration looked like. And then I am occasionally, if the algorithm allows, I'm occasionally seeing what they have to say. That, that's the only, there is no intimate relationship between me and those friends. I know what they're saying and I know sometimes what they're doing, but that's where it ends. Pre-Bethlehem, this was the relationship with God. Everybody was hearing God's words. God was speaking audibly through prophets and messengers. He was writing messages on the wall and having bushes catch on fire. Like they were hearing the words of God. And watch this. They were seeing the actions of God. They were seeing miracles happen. They were seeing a, 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 a pillar of fire and a cloud. They were seeing the movement of God and the words of God. But there was no intimacy. There was no relationship. But post Bethlehem, 
God went from a Facebook friend, watch this, to your best friend that you had when you were a kid that came over to spend the night and didn't go home for six weeks. Yeah, everybody got a friend like that? Mine was Addison Russell. I hope you're listening, brother. He would come over to my house. School was out for the summer. He would come over to my house, and he would not go home until the Sunday night before we started school on Monday. So for two and a half months, he was at my house. We ate the food together. We, you know, he spent the night. We played video games. We were friends. To this day, we are friends. Now, he's my friend on Facebook, too, but there's a difference in our relationship and half the people I'm with friends with on Facebook. So I'm wanting you to picture this. I want you to understand that when the Bible says Emmanuel, God with us, God went from here to here. God went from hear what I'm saying, see what I'm doing, to I'm in your living room. I'm on your couch. I'm in your fridge. I'm hanging out with you. We are close. We are friends. There is a, there is a, sh- uh, a shift in relationship pre and post Bethlehem, and that's why God says call him Emmanuel. God with us. Think about it like this. For thousands of years, God gave us his voice. Prior to Bethlehem, he gave us his messages, messengers, his teachers, his words. But in that manger, God gave us himself. Let's never take a manger lightly. That God gifted us himself. You know, December 1st for my house symbolizes the return of a semi-wanted guest. If you have children or if you're a really awkward adult, you might know what I'm talking about. There's a thing called an elf on a shelf. Not a dolly on a tamale, okay, but an elf (laughs) on a shelf. Ours is a female. It's because women run my life, so it just makes sense that she would too. Uh, her name is Blue, and I have a hate-hate relationship with her. I've never liked her. She's never done anything for me, ever, positive, in my life. But, but it never fails, because what happens is she disturbs my peace. Because once my kids are in bed, now I can be an adult again, right, and do what I want to do and watch what I want to watch and do all that. And all of a sudden, I have to make it a priority to do something cute with this little stuffed animal. Sorry if y'all are counseling me for a second. I'm just trying to get my, just let my heart out, letting you know how I feel, okay? Just kind of letting you know. Um, and so, so, so you have to understand this process that, you know, we all enjoy it to an extent, but Casey Ray loves it. All right, like, like, and she knows, she, she understands the process, but she loves Blue. She gets so excited. The night before December 1st, she's letting us all know, you're not going to believe it. Guess who's coming? Guess who's coming? And we're all like, Blue. <laughs> and this is how bad it gets. Last night, y'all, in case y'all don't follow an American calendar, yesterday was December 2nd. Blue arrived on December 1st. So she's been here for one day. And I'm already done with her. Already done. Last night, we're laying in bed. We're about to go to sleep. I'd been out of town all weekend. I'm exhausted, ready to go to bed, ready to get ready for church. And Darla all of a sudden goes, babe. And I'm like, what? You know, is there somebody breaking in the house? And she goes, no, we got to do something with blue. And I'm like, oh, forget blue. Who cares? Put it in the trash can. Say she was trashy. I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Let's move on somewhere. It took one day, oh, one day for me to be tired of her. And I wasn't even home for that day. And I'm already tired of her. 
but you just know, you know it in my house. I count down the days until January 1, because on December 31st, Blue got to go, and I'm like, deuces, you know what I mean? Don't let the door hit you on the way out. But, but it always, you just know around my house, you know when it's time for Blue to arrive. Listen to me, Christmas is God's reminder that we are not alone. Christmas is God's reminder that someone came. The glory of Christmas is not that it celebrates the birth of some great religious leader. That's not it at all. But it celebrates, watch this, the long-anticipated coming of God himself. And here's the special part. The arrival of which God wired our souls for from the beginning. Emmanuel is the Bible telling you, is God telling you that I am with you. And the Bible says that God knitted us in our mother's womb. So when God put you together, he put inside of you like a Build-A-Bear in the mall. He put inside of you this yearning and this desire to want to be with God. And Christmas is the reminder that God fulfilled that and met that desire by coming to be with us. He wired us to want to be with him. And then he sent Jesus and came as a baby to be with us. Gives us the desire and then he meets the desire. God, out of all of the names that he calls our Savior, out of all the ways that he could declare his majesty or judge the world, God says that the greatest longing of his heart, catch this, is to be with us. That the creator of the universe, the greatest longing of his heart is not how we're damaging the earth he created. The greatest longing of his heart is not that we aren't following the rules correctly. The greatest longing of his heart is to be with you. Take that in for a second. You and all your mess all your imperfections, all your mistakes, that the creator of the universe's number one desire of his heart is to simply be with you. Pastor Ron, many of y'all know him. He's, he's my pastor. He's preached here every year. I was in Oklahoma with him a couple of months ago, and we were talking, and he was telling me this story, I couldn't forget it, where he had attended a church in California and he was in a church, real, real popular, real well-known. Uh, the pastor's name is Judas Smith, and so you may be familiar with the church. And he, he, Every time he's in L.A. for something else, he goes to this church, and he just attends it. But Judah, and he knows Judah, so they, they kind of will have a seat for him. And so uh, Pastor Ron gets to the service, and it's, it's, like, it's like a weeknight service that has a lot of young adults. It's, you know, it's one of those kind of vibes. And he gets to the service, and he's in his seat on the front row, and he said there's just energy and conversation, young people just talking. He said the volume's real high. You know, you can, you can just feel it in the room. And he said, I'm sitting there, and I'm sitting down, and we're getting ready to start service. Countdown hadn't started yet. And he said, all of a sudden, something just shifted. He said, I couldn't explain it. I didn't know what happened. The countdown hadn't started. Pastor Judah hadn't come out. But all of a sudden, like, the conversation stopped, and it felt like people's attention went somewhere else. And he said, something happened. He said, so I, I started looking around, trying to figure out what happened. And he said, I looked down the road from me, and about three or four seats from me, Justin Bieber and Haley Bieber had just walked in and sat down. And he said, everybody quit talking and was looking at them. And he said, I'm looking at him, and he looks at me, and I just went, hey. And he said, Justin Bieber went, hey. They talked for a second, and then countdown hits, service starts. 
great service. Service is over. They escort the Biebers out, and then you know, everybody's kind of fellowshipping, and they leave, and Pastor Ron starts talking to Pastor Judah long after it's over, and he tells him the story. He's like, isn't that crazy? And Judah's like, yeah. Watch this. He said, I just wish that the people in the room would respond that way with the idea that God's with us. It's a shift of thinking. God's always with us. No, God is with us. God, God, he's out there somewhere. No, he's right here. He's beside you. He's with you. He's mourning with you. He's grieving with you. He's celebrating with you. He cares. Listen to me. Some of you think right now that nobody cares about what you're going through. He cares. He cares about the report you got last night. He cares that you were up at 3 o'clock in the morning vacuuming up water. He cares. The Spirit of God cares about everything, every situation. Even when you think, God, where are you? He is there. He's there. That, that, that word Emmanuel means that he is not an above us God. You're up there somewhere. He's not an above us God. Watch this. He's not a around here somewhere God. I love this one. He's not a God with the rich or God with the righteous. He's God with us. Watch this. He's not even God with us if. That was a revelation for me. Because Emmanuel could have meant the God that is with us if. But the Bible made sure to tell us that it means God is with us. He's with you in your struggles. He's with you in your celebrations. When you feel at your most lonely moment, you're not alone. The reason why you feel Christmassy at this time is not because of a Grinch inflatable, and it's not because of hot cocoa and Christmas movies. The reason why something is moving inside of you is because you have been wired to remember in this season that God is with you. He's with you. Let's go back to Matthew 1 for a second. It goes on to say in verse 24, when, G when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, immediate obedience. He took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And once she gave birth to that son, he gave him the name Jesus. Call him Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. Call him Emmanuel because he embodies God with us. I had this thought the other day that for so many, the awe of Christmas is found in the extravagant. It's the only holiday where tacky is tasteful. You know what I mean? 
It's the only holiday where the more lights, the better, right? Put lights on. I mean, we put lights on the ground, guys, where we're walking. We put lights. Let's just more lights, more inflatables, more cookies, more presents. How tall of a tree can we get, right? Like, it's, it's, it's just this extravagance. Christmas is all about extravagance. So watch this. I had this thought. For so many, the all of Christmas is found in the extravagant, but watch this. I think the all of God is found in the lack of. What's magical about Christmas, we would think, is in the extravagance. What's life-changing about God is in the lack of, of it, lack of extravagance. Let me explain. We're going to go to heaven at some point, but right now we're going to illustrate and go to heaven. In that moment, and this is how I think the conversation went, okay? I obviously wasn't there. This is how I think it went. Before Bethlehem, there has been hundreds of years of silence from God. In the Old Testament, you will see God speaking through people and through different phenomenons. And all of a sudden, God goes, he ghosts us. He just disappears. He gets off of Facebook, right? He's, he's gone for hundreds of years. And then all of a sudden, this birth of this baby was the sign, the moment where God was going to all of a sudden appear again. So I'm trying to imagine God gets up off his throne, y'all, and watch. He goes, all right, it's time. And in run the angels, kind of like three stooges, you know, we're all kind of like running into each other. Come, it's time, it's time, it's time, it's time, it's time, now, now's the time. He's like, yep, get ready. We're about to break the silence. Here comes heaven. We're about to, all right, all right, God, let's get ready. All right, so, so, why today? Is, is something special about today? What, what, what is the date again? What, I mean, what, 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 what is it so about this day? What, what is it, what, what, tell us, what is it? And God goes, nah, it's, it's just, it's a pretty ordinary day. Weather's pretty ordinary. Nothing, nothing special. And they go, oh, okay, well, I guess it really has nothing to do with with when you're coming. So uh, where, where, where are you going? Like, are you just going to show up like at a capital or in the middle of the synagogue? Like, like, what are you, where are you going? Are you going somewhere really unique and, and, and full of fame and well-known? Where are you going? And God goes, no, it's pretty ordinary. It's Bethlehem. I'm like, Bethlehem? Like I told y'all, nothing really special. Angels are like, okay, maybe, okay, it's not about when, it's not about where, ah, it's about how he's coming. All right, God, we understand it's about how, so how are you showing up? Are you coming back as a lion? Are you coming back as like a three-headed horse? Like, you know, like, like, what are you, are you a giant? Like, how are you coming back? Is it crazy? Is it unique? Is it special? And God's like, pretty ordinary. I'm coming back as a baby. And they're like, don't we, we know what a baby is, right? Baby, like diaper, baby. That's weird. They're like, oh, I bet you're coming back as a talking baby, right? 
because like that would get everybody's attention. If all of a sudden you're like talking and can, you're, you know, you're super strength like the incredible baby, you know what I mean? Like, like that'd be, that'd be awesome. I'm like, no, he's, yeah, no, just, I'm gonna cry. That's about it. Just an ordinary baby. Like, oh, okay, okay. All right, so even though where you're going to be and, and, and when you're going to come and, and what you're going to come as, what, what are you going to come, what, where, what are you going to be on? Are you, are you going to come in on like a, I don't know, like a, a unicorn with wings? What, where, what are you, you're a baby, you're going to be riding a horse? What are you going to be on? He's like, ah, pretty ordinary. It's a manger. Isn't that what the animals eat out of? And now the angels, they're confused, y'all. They're like, yeah, all right can't quite put my finger on this. Now, all of a sudden, they got it. They got it. Yep, that's it. Go back. Ask him. All right, so it's not when you're coming. It's not where you're coming. It's not how you're coming or what you're coming on. It's who you are coming through. We got it. We figured it out. That's, the, that's what's special, right, God? God goes, no, it's pretty ordinary, too. Her name is Mary. Oh, so she's a woman of fame and fortune. No. Oh, oh, she must be married to some. No, no, he's pretty ordinary too. And they're like, God, time out. You've been silent for hundreds of years. And now you're making your grand arrival. And when is ordinary and how is ordinary and where is ordinary and who you're coming through and what you're coming on. It's all ordinary. We don't get it. Listen to me. God chose Mary and he chose Joseph and he chose a manger and he chose a place and a night that were ordinary because he knew that at some point we would think this. If he would come and be with them, He'll come and be with me. If he's got to show up at a special place on a special time for special people, then I can justify that God wouldn't come to me because I'm not special like them. But when God comes to normal, simple, ordinary scenarios, where you and I can see ourselves in, we can step back and go, God really is Emmanuel, and He really is with me. This past week, Christina sent out an email to our dream team. She titled it, Does God Care About Christmas Villages? And that got my attention. And to tell her story, I asked her for permission to tell it, but to tell her story, she, her and her husband, Jonathan, are going through Ramsey Plus together and what church offered a couple weeks ago. And one of the agreements they had as a couple was that they weren't going to spend any money on Black Friday. No money. Just to, to be very obedient to that, no matter how good the deal was. And she's been wanting some Christmas villages for herself and for some Christmas presents and all of a sudden, she's you know, going through, and there's an ad on a sale on Christmas villages. Just like the devil, right? You know what I mean? Just come right in. And there's some temptation there. It's like, oh, they're on sale. I can, you know, I can get them Christmas presents, and I've always wanted one. And 
you know, it's Christmas, you know. But she stood her ground. She was obedient. She didn't do it. A couple days later, she gets on Facebook and sees that one of her neighbors is giving away six Christmas villages for free. Post has been up for 40 minutes and nobody's commented. So she's up to me, I'll take them, I'll take them, I'll take them. And she gets six Christmas villages, enough for her, her, whoever she wants to give them to, and they're even nicer than the ones she was going to pay for. And so she gets towards the end of email. She says, so does God care about Christmas villages? And she says, no. He cares about you. pierced me so good to know that the God of the universe he could care less about Christmas villages but his heart beats for you the reason why we feel like we do during this season is because there's a desire to be with God but there's an even greater desire in God to be with us do me a favor, would you stand this moment? Would you close your eyes for a moment? I want you to listen to that single mom or that single dad. God says, I'm with you. To that person that's fighting physical illness, you're tired, exhausted, ready to give up, wondering how much longer do I have to deal with this? God says, I'm with you. to the couple that's been working on their marriage time and time and just when you think you're making progress you take two steps back you're wondering when healing will come it says I'm with you to the person who has been overwhelmed with depression anxiety worry God says, I'm standing right here with you. Through every hardship, through every celebration, I'm here. I'm here. Presence of God. Father, I can't communicate it well enough, but would your Holy Spirit right now just begin to melt every heart for whatever it is that they need may they hear you say I'm here I know you're in pain I'm here I know you're confused I'm here I know you have doubt I'm here I know you don't understand I'm here I know you need help I'm here 
Come on, would you just receive that this morning? Whatever it is, whatever you need, just feel and hear the presence of God right now telling you, I am Emmanuel. Come on, would you pray that over your situation right now? Over my marriage, Father, you are are Emmanuel. Over my physical ailment, you are Emmanuel. Over my depression, you are Emmanuel. Over my anxiety, you are Emmanuel. Over every situation, over my children, over my womb, over my unborn child, you are Emmanuel. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, do me a favor. Just lean in just for a few moments. Lean in. Do not miss this moment. Do not miss this moment. Please allow the presence of God, the peace of God. Oh, worship team, let's start worshiping. Let's get him in this place. Hallelujah. Let's recognize him in this place. Father, you're holy. You're holy. 